highway of hope and how, how it is the pathway and the vehicle for us to find intimacy with him and to find him in, in ways that we've never experienced him before. Secondly, if we look to the fact that hope is active, hope does. Hope moves, it breathes, it's, it's not something static, it's not something that is, that is uh, uh, packaged. Uh, so sometimes it's, it seems so at Christmas because people want to confuse the, the gospel with, with commercialism and want to package hope in some sense of um, how we should seek it and buy it, and it can be found in this and in that and the other thing. But hope comes from him. We look, talked about hope coming for us, not only in the form of a baby, but in the form sometimes of suffering and sometimes in the form of a hard place. And what we glean from that, from, from the character that it builds and the perseverance that it builds, we find hope is the outgrowth of that. And then look last night at the fact that hope was born to us in, uh, in moving from a wooden manger to a wooden cross and how hope fills the gap between those two places. Turn, if you will, to Titus chapter 2. We're going to look this morning at this idea of, of a blessed hope, a blessed hope that Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14 speak of today. For grace, the grace of God, has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Self-controlled, upright, godly. Does that look like the culture you live in? Not the culture I live in. At least not Strawberry Plains. It may be here in, here in Big Town. But, um, self-controlled, upright, upright, and godly, I think are missing from our culture in large part because our culture knows nothing about this blessed hope. They don't see hope coming from him and hope in his return driving life, driving the way we live and the way we think and the way we move. Briefly this morning, I want to look at three things from this passage. and We won't be here long, but um, I want us to glean a couple of two or three things. One is the blessed hope caused the Magi to lay down their dreams for something bigger. Now, I'm not going to read that story to you today, but it happens in Matthew chapter 2. And the prophecy from Numbers 24 Get these guys' attention. They see a star in the, in the east, and they start to follow that star. And uh, I wonder what hope has ever caused you to start doing. Has hope ever? Have you ever seen something, been inspired by a song, a, a word from someone else, perhaps a verse of scripture, or and the hope from that's inspired you to do something else, to move further than you normally would with this person, with, in this relationship, in, in this situation, with this individual at work, somewhere else? What's hope caused you to do? Has it ever caused you to look beyond yourself? And see and consider the needs of others before. Uh, they, these guys have drastically adjusted their lives. Now, they made a living at looking at the stars and trying to figure out from the stars what the future would be. And so these, these Eastern mystics followed, followed the star all the way to Bethlehem. And so as we see that story, and as I said, the prophecy that unfolds in Numbers 24, these guys set their lives on hold. And in fact, up packed up most of, their, most of their possessions, or at least three years probably worth of possessions because most theologians and scholars think they traveled for at least a year to three years to journey from where they are to where Jesus was. Now, that's a pretty drastic move to adjust your life for three years. You think about that for a moment. Walk away from your job, walk away from your family, walk away from what you know to experience something you've never experienced before simply because it's new and you've never seen it before. But that's what these guys' lives were about. They were looking for new stars, new constellations, and when they saw that one, 
something's got to be behind this. And I can imagine one or more of them thinking, you know, doesn't the Torah say something about this? Didn't the, doesn't the old Hebrew writings say something about a star somewhere? And so they, I can see them searching in the books, and they find Numbers 24. Ah, oh, here it is. This is the one. This is the star. Let's see what's at the end of it, at the end of the rainbow. And so they pack up all their belongings, probably several servants to travel with them. They take off on a three-year journey and totally adjust their lives, all because of the hope of finding what's at the foot of the star, of it being the, the, the true story of the, at the, of the end of this prophecy. If, if we're willing to park our lives all for the hope, for the, this blessed hope of finding him at the, at the bottom of the star, I'm going to tell you, it'll be worth the trip. However long it takes us to get there, it's going to be worth the trip. It was for these guys. They, they brought gifts and, and bowed those gifts at his feet and bowed themselves at, their, at his feet to worship him. Uh, it, it caused them to, to lay down their dreams for something bigger. Secondly, the blessed hope caused the shepherds to leave their jobs for something better. You, you see and hear that story in Luke chapter 2. It tells a story of, of their being camped out on the hillside at night. And this, this angel of heavenly host, you know the story in Luke 2, where it comes to them and begins to announce this, the birth of the Savior, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to all men. Has hope ever caused you to do that? Has it ever caused you to, to leave what you, what you know for something better? Or are you caught in the mundane and, and have the, the fear of saying the known is better than the unknown? I was talking with somebody last night about... <clears throat> How we miss oftentimes a lot of things God has for us because we're, we're in the comfortable of the known. I've counseled together a few times over the years with with, with wives uh, in abusive homes, with abusive husbands, and I've told them, get out. Just get out as quickly as you can and begin to pray for God to heal that situation. Don't put yourself in danger of physical abuse. And over and over again, that wife will go back to that abusive home, back to that abusive husband, because it's known and the fear of the unknown is greater than the fear of the abuse of the known. And it blows my mind to think of that, but how the, how the power of the known brings us back to sameness and mundaneness and things that we've experienced decade after decade, thinking and hoping it's going to get better rather than thinking there's something bigger, there's something better. And I've got to leave what I know and what I've experienced this far to experience that. That a walk through that door on the other side is not just believing in an open door but believing there's something better on the side of the open door. And so whether the door for you looks like a job, whether it looks like a, a, a friendship or relationship, regardless of what the door is that God's opened up to you, if there's something better on the other side, don't be afraid to step into it because the known will keep you known, keep you knowing what you know. The unknown will keep you knowing what you don't know. So step into that. Um, sometimes our lives are so predictable and, and so ordered that even an, an angelic choir couldn't get our attention. I can see these guys on the hillside, you know, probably spitting and whittling and, you know, trying to take care of sheep. And, and, and here, here comes this, this, this heavenly host out of the heavens. And I, if, it's, if it's me, I, these guys stayed and listened. You know, when I saw, if I saw something like that, I'm probably heading to the house as quick as I can get there. Because if it's, <clears throat> well, for, for different reasons. But these guys stayed. They stayed and listened and responded and heard and were obedient to what they heard and left their jobs, walked away from their, their, their income to find, and who knows what happened to sheep. We don't know the end of the story. They could have scattered. They could have, God could have herded them up and kept them in one place, but the guys, the shepherds got back. We don't know what happened. That's, that's another part of the story, but they didn't, they didn't care. They left their, their, left their income, left their jobs, left the known to find something better, 
on the other side. So this journey to Bethlehem led, led, led them to that better place. Now, they didn't care about losing that for something better. What about us? What about us? Do we care about what we know, what we can experience, what we can manage better than what we don't know, we've never experienced yet and can't manage, can't, can't know yet? They left their jobs for something better. Thirdly, the blessed hope caused a young girl to believe the impossible. You hear and read this story in Luke chapter 1 of, of the angel Gabriel visiting Mary and announcing to her this miraculous birth. And when, you'll, when you read that text, you'll discover that Mary was much more in disbelief about Gabriel telling her that she's highly favored rather than telling her that she's going to be, have this immaculate conception. The fact that she's favored blew her away more than anything. This angel comes and says, Mary, you're highly favored. And she was in awe of the favor of God more, in, more than in awe of the fact that she was a virgin about to conceive the Son of God. Those kinds of things should get our, get our attention and cause us to believe things we've never believed before, move into areas we've never been comfortable with before, but God's leading. The fact that, that God looked on her, as I said, in favor blew her away, but and, and in fact, it should do this, that for us too. I mean, the fact that we're favored by God. Can you imagine God wanting to have, to have anything at all to do with you? I know some of you, and I know me, <laughs> and it blows me away that God wants to have anything at all to do with me at all. But he pursues us and comes after us and continually with his spirit, continually with, with a message, with a song, with a friend. With a, he continually pursues us and comes after us and, and desires a more intimate walk with us than we've ever experienced, never known with him. And the fact that he comes after us and, and pursues us should cause us to believe there are things possible that I believe were impossible before. There are things that are doable with him that have not been doable yet before. And I've never experienced that before. I need to walk in that. I need to find that place with him. Um, when he looks at us, and I don't care what you've experienced, when he looks at us, he sees favor instead of failure. He doesn't see failure. He sees favor. And that's what blew Mary away. She saw herself as very human, very ordinary. And the fact that God favored her blew her away, and it should us too. He sees hope instead of helplessness, and he sees production instead of potential. Um, potential never accomplished a dime. Production does. And when God sees us and he interjects us with hope in the midst of where our walk is, we start to believe the impossible is possible with him. Our lives start to produce. Not only produce spiritually, but produce materially, produce organically in, in, in the lives of relationships we have with other folks. We start to live a more contagious life. And we start to see that God uses that and we start to get more intentional about it. Why? Because we started to believe the impossible was possible. Why? Because God sees favor instead of failure. He sees help and hope instead of helplessness. That's exactly how he works with us. shouldn't matter whether the messenger is a star, whether it's an angelic uh, heavenly host or, or choir, whether it's an ill-equipped pastor. It should, really shouldn't matter what the message is. The message is, is or the, method, the deliverer is unimportant. The message is what matters. And the message is that he, the blessed hope has appeared. And the blessed hope of his return is promised. And he's coming again to receive us to himself, the scripture says. So here's the question I have as we wrap up today, and that's this. What has blessed hope caused you to do? What has it caused you to do? Has it caused you to try and get pregnant when you've had miscarriages? Has it caused you to push into a relationship that is uncomfortable that you feel like God leading? Has it caused you to examine a job or a part of a job that you've never been experienced before because you believe God may be in it and open the door? What has blessed hope caused you to do? How has it moved you beyond the known, beyond the comfort, beyond what you've experienced and can predict and manage and get your arms and your mind around into that which is impossible and unbelievable and you've never seen the potential for before? 
It should cause us to do those kinds of things. It should cause us to keep praying. It should cause us to keep believing. It should cause us to keep working. It should cause us to keep giving. It should cause us to keep pursuing him. Why? Because hope is found in him. It isn't found in what we do or what we know or what we have. It's found in the person of Jesus who went from the manger to the cross and is coming again for you and I to receive us to himself. And we ought to, if anybody ought to, ought to live hope-filled lives, it ought to be believers. And more times than not, more times than not, you look in church after church this morning and you see this. Yeah, I think he's coming again. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, going to be glorious. It's kind of like I told you that several weeks ago about, or a couple of weeks ago about uh, John. Remember the story of his conversion and starting the Vineyard Church and he was looking for the stuff. And the guy next to him says, oh, we believe it, but we don't do it. Our, our beliefs need to, need to follow our actions. Why? Because the hope of his return needs to find an active church. It needs to find an active follower of him. It needs to find an active believer engaged and believing that his return is imminent and is coming and matters and should matter in the lives of lost people around us that don't know him yet. If we live with hope, they can and they will. But we've got to be intentional about that. Let's pray.